On Tuesday, November 6th, Ohio voters will decide on Issue 1, a ballot initiative that would reduce drug possession offenses to misdemeanors so they're no longer classified as felonies with harsher penalties. By most accounts, proponents and opponents are locked in a dead heat on this important issue. So we decided to revisit our Issue 1 podcast. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast as Senator Portman weighs in on this important issue. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil from Cover 2 Resources. This fall, Ohio voters will decide on Ohio Issue 1, a ballot initiative that would reduce drug possession offenses to misdemeanors, so they're no longer classified as felonies with harsher penalties. Proponents say it would keep over 10,000 people out of Ohio prisons per year, while opponents say the number is closer to half of that. Issue 1 is a proposed constitutional amendment that is being bankrolled by billionaires, including Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chen. My guest today, I'm really excited to welcome with us Bashara Addison, who is the Senior Manager of Policy and Strategic Initiatives from Towards Employment. So, Bashara, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. Okay. And Judge Mattia. Judge Dave Mattia is the Common Pleas Judge from Cleveland, and he helped to really forge Cuyahoga County's first drug court program in 2008. So, Judge, welcome. Glad to be here too, Greg. Okay. So let's begin. I'd like to give each of you just a, a minute here to give us some opening remarks to our audience. Bashara, you are a, a big proponent for Issue 1, so we'll let you lead off. All right, great. Well, thank you. Uh, so Issue 1 um, will do four things. Um, the first is it will increase earned time credit for those who are participating in evidence-based programming. Um, it will reduce um, uh, drug possession offenses uh, from felony four and five to misdemeanors. The sec- third thing it will do is it will um, remove the ability of a judge to use prison as a tool for non-criminal probation violation sanctions. And then the last thing it will do is it will redirect cost savings from the reduction in prison population, which we expect prison population to drop about 20 percent, uh, back to our communities for drug treatment, uh, victims awareness and uh, programming for uh, survivors of crime. Um, and then 15 percent is flexible based on how the ge- what the General Assembly decides. So now I'd like to pivot over to you, Judge Mattia. You've had a uh, very, very successful drug court program that you fostered over the course of the last 10 years. Give us your opening remarks and your comments on issue one. Well, like most judges in Ohio, I believe in rehabilitation over incarceration. I've been a drug court judge for 10 years. 1,100 people have been through the drug courts in Cuyahoga County that Judge Sinnerberg and I operate. Um, but I just have a hard time believing the, the lies that uh, the issue one proponents are putting out there. Every time I debate this issue, the claims get bigger. 
um, Ms. Bashara, you cited that the prison population under this would be reduced by 20%. The prison population is at 50,000. You know, 20% of that is 12,500. Your own policy managers group only said the prison population would be reduced by 10,000 in their paper. So you've overinflated that today. Um, since policy matters statement came out, the Office of Budget Management in Ohio came out and said the prison population reduction would be much less, um, more like 4,000. So let's be truthful with the voters. Here's what issue one will do. Issue one will destroy our successful common pleas drug court infrastructure where lives are saved on a daily basis. Issue one will let violent offenders and many sex offenders out of prison early. We talk about a reduction for earn time credit on evidence-based practices, but what you don't tell the voters is those folks on your side who wrote this, wrote this to let people get out of prison up to 25% earlier on their sentence merely for working in the prison kitchen. Uh, there are a shortage of programs in the prison system for rehabilitation, and uh, the people who are the, coming out early are going to be coming out uh, just as dangerous as they did when they went in. The false narrative that you folks are running the public on, that the prisons are full of nonviolent offenders, is not true. Less than 11% of the prison population is made up of fourth and fifth degree felons, the lowest number um, on our felony scale. Those people are there um, because they're either repeat offenders or uh, have committed crimes of violence. Uh, the public needs to understand that we cannot send people to prison uh, who are nonviolent fourth and fifth degree felons as sentencing as a result of action taken recently by the legislature. Um, what's very frightening, though, about uh, issue one is it takes away the tools of accountability that judges like myself use uh, every day in our jobs. Uh, you say with pride that you're going to take away the ability to uh, send an offender to prison uh, for violating probation. Uh, I, I don't know what you expect judges to do in reality uh, to coerce a difficult population into um, paying their restitution, showing up for drug treatment, uh, doing community work service, uh, getting their GED. The common things that judges do when they put someone on probation to redirect them towards a law-abiding lifestyle. If you take away the threat of incarceration, you take away any ability we have to change behavior. Um, there will be no savings from this issue. The cost of issue one going to uh, rehab will be borne by the taxpayers and will be taken from the general fund and other sources like highways and education. Uh, the OBM report uh, showed the savings. Um, well, not, it's not savings. The formula that will result in $40 million to be put towards rehabilitation to be spread across all 88 counties. That's not going to go far. Issue one has been opposed by every editorial board who's looked at this issue. Uh, just this week, one of their own pastors that they have running a commercial uh, in support of issue one decided that after looking into this further, this was not a good idea. And he has backed up on his support and he has asked the campaign to stop running that commercial. But most importantly, I oppose issue one because people will die if this passes. So 63% of the people that we take in drug court uh, would be reclassified as misdemeanors, and we would not have jurisdiction over them. Uh, so that's why 
when I say people will die, they will die because they won't get access to treatment in drug court. So I'd like to move along here and talk about how this amendment is coming about as or how this uh, initiative is coming about. And that is a constitutional amendment. Bashara, why should we not be concerned that this passage is made possible through a constitutional amendment? Uh, better put, why can't the legislators just, if this is a problem, why, why don't they just work it out? So they've had an opportunity to work it out. Um, there has been an opportunity to uh, take felony four and five drug possession offenses and reclassify them as misdemeanors. And it just hasn't passed through the General Assembly. Um, in 2017, there were over a thousand bills introduced, 10 percent of which either enhanced or created new criminal convictions. So the temperature of our state house is to create more ways for individuals to pick up a criminal conviction or be incarcerated. And that's, you know, what I believe is why our prison population has remained stable. So we believe that it's time to let voters decide how we should reconstruct our criminal justice system. We recognize that it's uncomfortable. It's going to create new and different work for us to do. Um, but it's the work that we should be considering. And we have not had success in this particular state house in reducing prison population. And our belief is that addiction is a public health issue and we should not be using incarceration as a tool to address it. So that's the upside of doing a constitutional amendment. You can get something done, whereas uh, otherwise you haven't been able to. Judge, what's the downside? Can't be changed. It just it's set in concrete. There's always unintended consequences whenever you enact legislation. Uh, George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg are not coming back to Ohio to spend another four million dollars on a ballot initiative to c correct the uh, mistakes that are rampant in this proposal. Um, you know, the, the, the proponents of issue one claimed that the General Assembly's done narrowed nothing uh, regarding criminal justice reform, and that's why it has to be a constitutional uh, amendment. And that's just another falsehood that they're putting out there. House Bill 86 was passed in 2011. It permitted first-time nonviolent offenders to be sent to treatment facilities instead of prison and created new opportunities for a reduction of jail time for certain inmates. Senate Bill 337 in 2012 was the collateral sanctions reform law. Now, I think this is something that Ms. Addison's been very interested in her life, and she should be aware of it. I am, because I helped to work on it. Right. So it passed. Uh, House Bill 56, ban the box law, bars public employers from including job application questions about the applicant's criminal background. That was passed in 2017. Uh, House Bill 483, uh, 2015, it passed in that General Assembly. It was the Criminal Justice Recodification Committee. It's uh, put together a committee to look at changes. House Bill 49. Now, this is the big one. This passed in 2017, and this uh, forbid judges from sending nonviolent fourth and fifth degree felons to prison, uh, again, unless they had a history of violence or sex offender history, uh, we could not send them to prison. Um, so if you carried a concealed weapon and uh, you picked up another case with a carrying concealed weapon, that's, that's a nonviolent offense. That guy can't go to prison under that bill. Counter? So it's not that they haven't done anything, it's that they haven't done enough, and it still hasn't reduced our prison population. Our prison population has re remained stable over the last decade. And so the goal behind issue one is to, A, make sure that we reduce prison population and decrease prison overcrowding. It won't solve the entire overcrowding problem, but it will certainly make a dent in that. But it's also to make sure that we have more resources being directed to 
drug treatment related programs, which in we're confident in our analysis that there will be cost savings realized that will come back to our communities for that. You want resources to drug treatment programs, your your issue is going to destroy my drug and other drug courts in the country. It's like you have a highway that shepherds people to good health and you're going to blow the bridge up while you hope that a newer, smaller bridge, less funded bridge will get built. That's what your proposal is doing. Again, 63% of the people that I have in drug court are there on fourth or fifth degree felony possession charges. I lose jurisdiction over all of those cases of issue one passes. They become misdemeanors. So municipal courts get those cases. Muni courts do not have one, the funding for drug courts or the infrastructure of drug courts that common pleas courts have built up over the last 20 years in this state. Uh, and to assume that the $40 million that might be provided by issue one is going to be enough to rebuild the infrastructure is just Pollyannic. What's going to happen while you destroy the ability of people getting into common pleas court with the fairy tale hope that muni courts will open drug courts is that people are not going to get treatment and people will die. I don't want to see that happen. I think that's irresponsible. So we're not the first state to um, reclassify felony four and five drug possession offenses as misdemeanors. And those states have found that they did increase the use of drug courts, that That, their drug courts remain stable. That is not true. California's drug courts have dropped. Oklahoma's drug courts have dropped. Uh, that Actually, statement is a patent tw- falsehood. In 2018, Oklahoma's 58 drug courts remained full. So that's this year. They had a full, full slate of individuals going through their drug courts. That wasn't a constitutional amendment either. It wasn't a constitutional amendment, but they did have that approach and the sky didn't fall. So the second thing is we don't deny that drug courts can be effective. We do question whether drug courts are accessible to everyone particularly across racial lines. And there's a belief, um, and there's data to back that up, that there are racial disparities in who has access to drug court. So drug courts could be effective for some people, but not everyone has access to those. And yes, there might be a greater need for municipal drug courts. Municipal drug courts exist, and they would be eligible to compete for the dollars that would be reallocated to our communities from the cost savings. You want to blow up drug courts and common police court because you claim they're not diverse enough? Is that what you're saying? I I mean, you said that you had 1,100 people going through in a period of 10 years, and we know that way more people than that have had drug-related offenses. So I'm curious, what is the diversity of of your court? Because drug court's not working enough, that we don't take enough people, you want to blow it up. You're you're going to be blowing up something that works. It works for who? It works for the people who go through it. Yes, and I'm just wondering who those people are and if there's equitable access to that. Those people who get felonies in Cuyahoga County are the people who get into drug court. You're saying I have something to do with the racial makeup of your court. You're wrong. They get referred from the prosecutor's office. They get referred from defense attorneys. They get referred from other judges. The pastor who backed up was getting paid $4,000 a month, right? You also have this commercial with a father in Summit County who claims that his son couldn't get drug treatment and got punishment instead. Turns out Mr. Uh, he, got, uh, he graduated from Judge Teodoso's drug court, Richard Garrett Hughes. He graduated from drug court. Everything that your campaign does is based on profit for the people running it or uh, falsehoods. You could possess a little less than 20 grams of fentanyl, which is enough to kill maybe 50,000 people. And now that would be classified as a misdemeanor 
if this new initiative is passed. So that would appear to be a very, very bad thing and something that would open up the doors, the floodgates, if you will, for drug dealers to kind of game the system because they're just going to get a slap on the wrist. Bishara, comment? So this is for drug possession only. Um, I have heard the critique that 19 grams of uh, fentanyl could theoretically be considered a misdemeanor. But in practice, anyone who has 19 grams of fentanyl is being regu- is charged regularly as a federal crime and it's trafficking. And so those individuals are not eligible under issue one. And they often also have companion charges, which makes them ineligible for for um, this reclassification to a misdemeanor. Judge I, I want to know what the scale of that problem is. We don't have to argue this point, uh, whether they're going to get charged with trafficking. My point is uh, this was inartful at best drafting um, and dangerous drafting. Uh, there is no way that 19 gram possession of fentanyl, which is, again, enough to kill you know, a busload of kids and all of the first responders responding to them, or maybe 10,000 people, as some have said, if you put it into two grams, uh, should never be a misdemeanor. Possession of 49 unit doses of heroin should never be a misdemeanor. Possession of 49 unit doses of LSD should never be a misdemeanor. You went too far in drafting this. Uh, It's been called out, and now you want to claim, well, we could just overcharge them with trafficking when the evidence may not support it. To prove trafficking, you have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt that there was an intent to sell, use, distribute, ship, and jurors hold prosecutors to the reasonable doubt standard. Uh, charging someone, you're asking the, the justice system then to overcharge, basically, is what you're doing by putting this uh, uh, out there that 19 grams of fentanyl uh, should just be charged with trafficking. And, um, you know, you asked, you said that this should be shifted to federal court. Well, why, why should we shift the resource? And there's no guarantee that uh, the feds are going to charge every drug uh, trafficker with trafficking who possessed 19 grams of fentanyl. So I'd like to give each of you an opportunity to discuss uh, what it is that we haven't covered in, uh, in this podcast so far and what you'd like to leave our listeners with. And Judge, I'll leave that with you. Okay, thank you. We all believe in rehabilitation over incarceration, but uh, I think if your listeners look at who's in prison, the appropriate people are in prison. You want to lower the 49,000 number, which is a terribly too high number, you have to start before people commit crime. You have to get them education. You have to get the people who grow up in bad environments trauma therapy so they don't become violent from the violence they learned growing up. That's how you reduce the prison population. You don't just decide to let people out early. What's next? If this doesn't lower the prison population enough, are we just going to lay off police and just pretend violent crime doesn't exist? Because that's where this proposition goes in its natural progression. Um, Issue one is, again, a bad idea. Every newspaper opposes this. Uh, The Common Pleas Judges Association opposes this. The Municipal Court Judges oppose this. Prosecutors Association opposes this. Our local Adams Board, the people that are in charge of mental health and drug dependency efforts in this county, opposes this. The Academy of Medicine of Cleveland and Northern Ohio, they oppose this. Uh, Issue one has support from Pollyannic 
naivetes who just don't like the fact that we have a big prison number, but are not offering a real solution that guarantees rehabilitation to those who need it while keeping society safe. Bashara? Thank you. Um, So we know that in states that have done similar reforms, the sky has not fallen. They have seen a reduction in prison population and the crime rates have not gone up. The goal behind issue one is to make sure that we do reduce incarceration and that we treat addiction as a public health issue. And that is what we're trying to accomplish through issue one. And, and so a lot has been done to try to get individuals into treatment. We know that the courts right now have become, and the probation departments too, let me throw that in, have become wonderful partners uh, to the treatment teams in our communities. Most individuals get into treatment because they've crossed the line, they've been out of control, and somebody else has taken control. And in many cases, that is the courts. And they've, they've required individuals to get into treatment and that treatment is hard. And I don't think most people understand that. When I've engaged in behaviors that have violated my values, I've created some significant threats to my ego functioning and my self-esteem. And when I have to begin looking at those issues, many people who are in treatment voluntarily say, I've had enough, it's getting too hard, and they step away. And unfortunately, without the adequate skills to continue their recovery, they soon find themselves back in uh, a use pattern or into their addiction. If the courts are standing over and say, no, you've got to complete this, many of them do. In fact, research has indicated that um, people that are mandated into treatment tend to do better than those that voluntarily admit themselves to treatment. The second thing to keep in mind is that some of the other consequences of this are that it basically will legalize the use of all drugs for both adults and adolescents, meaning that if they're caught with less than 20 grams of any drug, the worst that can happen is they can be sentenced to probation. That's an interesting point. One of the lesser known unintended consequences, I think, of passage of issue one is effectively decriminalizing possession of less than 20 grams of any drug, including fentanyl. And if they violate that probation, such as not going to treatment or not doing anything, the only consequence is their probation gets extended. So, weighing all of the pros and cons of this, all in all, you're against this. But, in essence, the concept behind it is very solid. So, going forward, what would you recommend, Tom? Well, going forward, I think it's been a wake-up call to our legislature. Our legislature has done some good things over the last four years in terms of some sentencing reform, as I had shared before. But it's not enough. Well, Tom Stuber, please give us your final word on Issue 1. My final word on Issue 1 is that, you know, although most most voters are going to uh, take a look at this and say, of course people need treatment, And I strongly believe that they do, and they deserve treatment, and they deserve the ability to get into a life of recovery. We've got to do it with a, uh, not a constitutional amendment, but we need to do it with legislation that's going to make sense and not have all these additional consequences tied to it. So I'm a no on issue one. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Greg. So what have we learned about issue one? 
If issue one passes, it'll address a very real problem of an overcrowded Ohio prison population, and in the process, it would divert funds to recovery that would have been used to keep people locked up. If issue one passes, it'll free the system of people charged with low-level drug offenses. The estimated population that would be affected? 25 to 3,500, and not the 10,000 that's been widely reported. Also, if issue one passes, the savings is estimated to be enough to provide treatment for 20 more people in each of Ohio's 88 counties. If issue one passes, more than half of the people who get help today through Ohio's 167 drug courts will no longer have that opportunity. And finally, if issue one passes, someone busted with 19 grams of fentanyl, enough to kill an entire community, could be charged with misdemeanor drug possession. Joining us today to help us unpack Issue 1 were Judge David Mattia, the Common Pleas Judge from Cleveland, Ohio, who helped create Cuyahoga County's first drug court program in 2008. Also joining us was Bashara Addison, the Senior Manager of Policy and Strategic Initiatives for Towards Employment. And finally, Tom Stuber, the CEO of the Lakata Wellness and Recovery Way. One last note to add to this podcast, the founder of an Akron 501c3 nonprofit posted videos against Issue 1 on his personal Facebook page early this month. On October 14th, Facebook notified him that due to technical issues, all of his Issue 1 videos were erased. We conclude today's podcast with special guest Senator Rob Portman weighing in on Issue 1. There is this Issue 1 in, in Ohio, and um, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are treatment providers, who are drug court uh, judges or personnel, um, who are in law enforcement, who think that this is a bad idea to pass Issue 1. Why? Because one of the ways we're getting people into treatment is by using the criminal justice system. Uh, in an important and compassionate way, not to lock people up, but to give them the incentive to get into treatment, which is so important. And my concern is, you know, very simply that that model that is starting to work all across our state could be threatened by this legislation. Um, So my hope is that uh, we will not pass issue one, but that we will continue to focus on not locking people up and throwing away the key, but instead getting people into the treatment that they need in order for them to get back on their feet and to become engaged, productive citizens again and re-engage with their families and their work and, and their faith and everything that matters. Thank you, Senator. Take care. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.